4: Security. I've been in the wrong place, but it must have been the right time. I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong song.
1: With Dr. John. Oh,
2: oh, yeah, kicking off the show with a little voodoo.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, you could play that song at an insurance seminar and all of a sudden it turns into a lounge. <laughs> it does. That I'd like to see. That I would definitely like to see. You but got yeah. a little, uh, little knowledge uh, on that song for yeah, us? Yeah, of course yeah, you
2: do. Yeah. That was, of course, Dr. John mm-hmm. uh, doing right place, wrong time. That was his first single uh, from a sixth album, In the Right Place. And That had actually become the single biggest hit for Dr. John, and uh, I believe it peaked at number nine on the Billboard Hot 100 back in, I want to say, 73. And, uh, yeah, just tasty stuff. Just tasty, tasty stuff. Yeah, not too much, not too little, just enough.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, timeless. You would never know when that song was made. No, no. And... uh, And yeah,
2: like you said, never, never a bad time for it. Like it's a little voodoo to get the show rolling (laughs) (laughs) here.
1: And it's it's funny, and uh, you know, it's one of those gems that we both agreed on. And I wanted to play it tonight because our main topic is uh, uh, well, political, but not political. But we're talking about the events of last Tuesday and and the elections. Yeah, and the song (laughs) resonates with that. I thought at least because it's about you know, being at the right place at the wrong time, obviously, (laughs) but sometimes it's about, you know, the right message at the wrong time, and vice versa. Yep. The very wrong message at the wrong time. (laughs) And there we go. There's your segue.
2: The juxtaposition of reality with, I don't know, calamity, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh... But Yeah, it has been an interesting uh, interesting last 10 days or so. Yeah, uh, yep. obviously uh you're you're in a good mood, courtesy Well,
1: of- I'm taking a little uh little little victory lap, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah.
2: But I got to I got to say, you know, coming coming right out of the gate, who cares who governs Virginia? I mean, why do I give a shit about this guy? What's his name? Glenn Youngkin, I think. Oh, man, you sound like a
1: northeasterner <laughs> right there. A typical Boston democrat. Woof!
2: And uh, you know all all these all these uh, prognostications about what this is indicative of. Uh-huh. Um, you, know, you might remember when we uh, when we initially uh, exchanged emails about this, I told you that I had the alternate reality take
1: on this. Uh, <laughs> seems, why should that surprise me? Yeah,
2: really. Well, I'm consistent. <laughs> you got to give me that. But it just it seems like they're all following a script. Yes. You know a preordained script, and this is. Su- you know, supposedly how everything is supposed to go down. I mean, never mind the fact that 10 out of the last 11 uh, uh, elections for the governor of Virginia did exactly this. It went opposite to the party holding right. the Oval Office. Right. So, you know, following the script. And, you know, the Democrats in particular seem once again to be following the script, you know,
1: yep. of, of
2: putting yourself in a position of power and shooting yourself in the foot.
1: <laughs> well, you were you you just touched on it. It's kind of like... You know, it, it's it's not so much the main story; it's what you can read or try and read into it, or extrapolate from it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think of of equal importance is my homeland, New Jersey, where the uh, Republican narrowly missed beating out the incumbent uh, Murphy. Yeah. Now, New Jersey, as you touched on with Virginia, has the same kind of history. It's yeah. it's very rare for the same party to repeat, and in this case, you've got you know, Murphy is, is definitely more of a standard bearer of the traditional Democratic, uh, Democrat, uh, <laughs> um, that last plum did form. you some good, didn't yeah. it, John? Nice. Then, say, the, uh, Got a bear? Seven o'clock in the morning. Scotch? The former governor of, of, of Virginia did. Really didn't get himself entwined in the whole critical race theory or any of yeah. that stuff. Okay? Well, that's
2: a, That's another thing that was following the script to a T is Youngkin played, you know, the culture culture war
1: card. Right.
2: You know, just like he was supposed to. It was. It's almost and, like... In a
1: funny way. And, and S.O.N.L. did a skit on this yeah. and, and they showed Yonkin like, yeah, I don't know what CRT, or CRT is, but I'm against it. <laughs> and, you know, and that's what played into the populace of Virginia. Oh, yeah. But what people forget is, you know, Virginia is a tale of two cities. You've got uh, a northeastern segment that runs right up against Washington, D.C. with those sensibilities and that Democratic voting base. Yeah. And then you got country folk you know, as yeah. as Midwestern as it gets <laughs> and Southern as it gets, yeah. who are going to vote red every time. Yeah, exactly. Following the script. Right. But it's interesting in so much as, you know, I love the result, but as an honest man, I look a little further into it, okay? Mm. And the the question that's been on my mind this week, primarily as it pertains to Virginia, you know, uh, look, I'm, I'm sorry the guy didn't win in New Jersey, but you know what? They they made a statement, and for right, right now, that's good enough. All right. So, cycling back to Virginia, why is it okay? And, and and not having children, I do see the importance of of parents having a say in their children's education. Sure. And the curriculum that is is being taught to them. Yeah. However, what confuses me is most of your teachers, okay. Not not only are they hardworking and extremely dedicated people, because yeah. look, teachers are underpaid.
2: And underappreciated. And, Absolutely and totally underappreciated.
1: Absolutely. And the last thing they need is a myriad of unwashed parents whispering in their ear constantly. I mean, I'm sure back to school night's bad enough. Oh, Jesus. But yeah. You don't want them always getting involved. But here's the problem. Why is it across the country, if you break down every news story about what's going on in education these days, yeah. why is it every single Board of Education of every county or region or state is full of a bunch of pseudo intellectuals that are so out of touch with what today's kids need to learn. Yeah, what is that about? It's Somebody sh- seems to answer that for me. Yeah, yeah. Let's teach them how to manage their money, deal with credit. Okay, how to read even a, a credit report. Right. Literal life skills things that I know our teachers would be totally on board with, okay? Look, there's there's room for reading, writing, and arithmetic. I get it. (laughs) But this other stuff, and look, we're not going to get into critical race theory. That is definitely a story for another day. Oh, absolutely. But again, all this shit, any kind of poli-sci, sociology bullshit has got to (laughs) take second tier next to just the things that children need to learn to be functioning adults not once they get out of college, but the minute they get out of high school. Yeah, And that's where we're off track with that.
2: Yeah, well, people seem to forget that the idea isn't to teach them what to think. It's to teach them how to think. Exactly. You know, teach them how to problem solve, yep. you know. And just, just to double back really quick on the whole CRT thing, uh, Youngkin apparently made some, made some mileage, made some good headway, on coming out and saying that, you know, first thing I'm going to do is, you know, governor of the state of Virginia is, you know, ban CRT. Whatever it is. From, yeah. yeah, whatever the hell it is from being taught in a school. It that's isn't, a bad
1: thing. It isn't
2: currently being taught in the schools in Virginia. That's right. the thing. You know, he created a cultural boogeyman. Yep. And again, that's that's... What the right does, or at least what they've been doing as of late, yep. and uh, and you know I'll never pass up a, an opportunity to bash mass media, <laughs> but it seems like they're the ones that are jamming the script down everyone's throat. Yes, you know Biden's first term, you know, hundred days honeymoon's over, you know now he's going to get the shit kicked out of him, you know mm-hmm. for, you know in any direction he turns and anything he says, um you know classic example of the left screwing themselves in the ground. All four members of the squad, you know, the, the four ladies that give you screaming nightmares, uh, voted against the bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill uh, that the House approved of. You know, and it's, it kind of amuses me that their no votes were offset by 13 Republicans who voted for it.
4: Right. You are the offspring of some whore!
2: You know, I mean, I don't, people are so inclined to, you know, play the script, just to, just to play it out that they're not seeing what's really going on in the world. You know, it seems to be devoid of reality. Mm-hmm. Um I was reading a story in uh in I believe it was the New York Times the other day and it and uh the writer was theorizing that people are are in a what was the term we used, a malaise? Yes. You know, post-pandemic malaise, mm-hmm. you know, of negativity and they can't see their way out of it, you right. know? I mean, on top of the the American Rescue Act uh, you know, being being signed you know, we're seeing a positive jobs report from last month. You know, I think it was, what, 600,000 jobs. I think it dropped mm-hmm. unemployment down to around 5%. The lowest it's been, you know, since, since you know, the bottom dropped out when the pandemic plowed into the economy. Right. Um, you know, we have a, uh, this new antiviral uh, COVID pill that's supposedly a huge, huge uh, step forward in fighting Indeed, yeah. the effects of the virus. Um, but, you know, despite all these things, and now that I'm checking my notes, I, I found the exact quote I was looking for, that uh, despite signs that the economy is improving and the virus is waning, many Americans seem stuck in a pandemic hangover
1: of pessimism.
3: I just know you're going to fail. You
1: know? Kind of like languishing. Yeah, that we talk very about very much so. Very many much episodes so. ago.
2: And, and it seems like... You know, people are just kind of like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the uh, quote earlier this week from the Rage in Cajun, James Carville, uh-huh. stupid wokeness, quote unquote, is why the Dems got beat on Tuesday. Uh-huh. Um, you know, he, he, James cites uh, they're in the language, identity, and that's not right. Uh, that's not us. We're letting a noisy wing of the party define us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll cite as an example of that the election in Boston of Michelle Wu. Yeah, which is fantastic. You know, very happy that that a woman of uh, ethnicity, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, got elected. Sure. But in all these, these, these stories trumpeting this, I not once come across a story where it said she's really good at her job. Right. You know, she's really good at governing. She gets things done, this and that. It was all about the identity bullshit. Yeah.
1: And as I had uh, mentioned to you earlier, the first lieutenant governor now of the state of Virginia um, a Jamaican immigrant, a black woman, right. okay, no less, former U.S. Marine, wow, self-educated, rises to the office of lieutenant governor of, uh, of any state, let alone Virginia, which has such long-standing racial divides, yeah, and not a peep from the left, <laughs> and it's kind of like, come on, man, yeah. Yeah. Stop it already. It it
2: just it feels like people are willfully going along
1: right with this. And to, to circle back and touch on your James Carville <laughs> comment, <laughs> look, I will I will begrudgingly give all the respect in the world to James Carville because look, he's an original. He's a very bright man. Yeah. And he is what us on the right consider a longstanding, respectable nemesis. Right. So surprisingly, the one that mouthed off about all the comments he had was our girl, AOC.
3: Yeah.
1: $20 whore. Yeah. And I'm kind of like rushing to defend him against her <laughs> now, and it's kind of like, you know, this is our guy. This is our chosen nemesis, and, some, and we respect him. There's some irony you can right shut there. the fuck up now. Yeah, you know? Seriously.
2: seriously. <laughs> but again, you know, AOC and the squad are playing their part in the script right? Um, of, you know, Forcing this, this divide, mm-hmm. you know, amongst the Democrat, Democratic Party and very willfully snatching defeat from the jaws
1: of victory. And that's exactly what they're doing.
2: Yeah, and, and it's, you know, again, and I'm going to keep saying this until you lean over the table here and smack me. <laughs> uh, they're, the, they're playing the role in the fucking script. Yeah. You know, that's exactly what they're supposed to do. Let's, let's torpedo shit just as we're getting things going. And, uh, you know, I'm all for idealism, and uh, it, there's a place for it, and it has to happen, and, uh, it, you know, young people uh, need to be possessed by these idealisms to keep things moving forward and to keep, you know, old cynical, you right. know, bastards like you and me, <laughs> you know, from going completely over the edge. But
1: I got news for you. None of the squad is that young, okay? Well... And let's face it, their ideas are bullshit, okay? <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> and it is, it's not just domestic issues. It's foreign yeah. policy, too. I mean never has have, have anyone that I can recall in, in, in my historical knowledge of Congress people from these bullshit districts just by word of mouth I guess sees so much power yeah. because let's face it, somebody is putting them on TV all the time yeah. okay and look, giant states like New York and California and Texas why you know they've, they've got a, a Easily, well, they've got two senators each, but they've also got a whole shit ton of representatives. Yeah. We never hear from any of them except well, the same three assholes. Well, regardless,
2: regardless of whether their positions uh, and their <laughs> opinions are bullshit or not, there's no compromise here with them. And right. t- in order to govern, you need to compromise. It's like, who the fuck are you, the Tea Party? Right. You know. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're playing scorched earth. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it doesn't work. Time and time and time again, we've proven it doesn't work, right. you know? And it, it undercuts the, the, the broader perspective, the, mm-hmm. the bigger piece, the whole.
1: And the thing that, that I saw this week that really pissed me off after these, these elections, you know, do you see the, uh, the news snippet where they had cornered uh, Joe Manchin's car in the parking garage? No, and it was of like the, uh, the, the, the climate activist. Oh, God. So they block his car in, okay? Yeah. And, you know, Fox because they're insane these days, they focused equally on the fact that these people had blocked him in and wouldn't let him pass in his car yeah. to the fact that he was driving a Maserati. That <laughs> seemed to be of equal importance <laughs> to them. Thank you, news director, for having your head up straight up your own ass. Yeah. But again, if it was me, and I've, I've, I'm just going to put this out there, folks, if anybody ever stands in front of my car and is not going to let me pass, guess what? that's going to be a flat person.
2: Well, apparently there's, there's <laughs> legislation right now being passed in a number of states that, that will allow the driver of the car under those circumstances to run over the pedestrian. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all for protest and I'm, I'm all for taking an active role. And these things are all well and good. But I'm not sure where blocking the guy in or cornering him like this
1: right. accomplishes screaming, screaming anything. Screaming at his window, do you care if I live or die? Why is the environment not important to you? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. My only retort is get a fucking job.
2: <laughs> again, I'm not do something useful. I'm not. I'm not seeing what this accomplishes. You know, I don't. I don't. Again, I'm all for activism, but
1: you got to do the right things. You got to. Right. You
2: got to have a goal in mind, other than just to create chaos and disruption.
1: Right. And as I will always begrudgingly admit, I like both sides of the coin, and I I, I need philosophical and and political. Nemesis out there in yeah. order to create a balance. Well, everything's relative, you know. Right, but when you're cornering people in their cars or trying to leave a parking garage, or you're cornering, you know, the the the, the, the female representatives in in the bathroom and, the and badgering men. them, yeah, you know, somebody needs to get knocked the fuck out. Sorry, <laughs> and 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 for once, it's not just Alec Baldwin; it's other people. <laughs> Throwback to the last episode. Yeah, there we go. There we go.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I just I don't know. It, 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 I don't know if I'm old or I'm out of touch. I guess but we're boomers, man. Is that what it is? Well, I
1: guess we're boomers. Ay,
2: ay, aye. Did well, we get
1: off topic on that? I think we might we're have. we're just, full of just a little bit. tonight. What were we talking about? Well, anyway? you know, look, the initial point was we were going to discuss this perceived or maybe not so perceived red wave. Right, right. right the red right. wave. Yes. So we had some victories, but my point is, great, what are you going to do with it now?
2: Yeah, and what does it really uh, indicate? I mean I, I think if if nothing else we we proved during the Trump era that these people um, in the media who make these predictions or, or or try to dictate to us what this means or that means don't know what the fuck they're talking about generally you know they yeah, they they, do, they proved that over and over again during the Trump administration and just once I'd like to see one of these so-called pundits come <laughs> out and say I have no fucking idea what that means you I, know it, I, it's I, like the we NFL will know the when we know yeah, yeah exactly
1: all these 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 Great minds of, of football and whatnot. And then we look at, you know, the season now, about halfway over. Yep. And they're saying, hands down, probably the best rookie quarterback is Mac Jones for the Patriots. The guy
2: that got picked 15th. Exactly. Like the, the last right? of the rookie class. And the
1: ones they've been tripping over each other for for the last two years. Two and five. Yeah. How's, and how's, seven, how's Trevor I mean, Lawrence doing? Exactly. How many picks right? did he
2: throw last week? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Duper abundance. I mean, yeah. oh, I'm just over it all. We're, yeah. s- we're so nasty today. It, yeah,
2: kind of on edge. I know, it must be I know. the
1: uh, the crisp autumn weather here in New England. It's I making don't, us salty.
2: I don't think we drank <laughs> enough during show prep. Uh, you know, Or I, too much. Or Yeah,
1: well, no, I don't <laughs> think that's possible, really.
2: But uh, Or maybe it's all of the above. Who knows?
1: All of the above, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, again, at, at the end of the day, my personal viewpoint, before I take a victory lap for these smattering of victories that we had. Yeah. It's what you do with it. It's just like oh, any God, kind yeah. of and I hate to use this analogy, but it's it's war. So you won a battle, but what's your next move now? Yeah. Yeah. Or let's and say a chess game. That's that's more civil. Yeah, that's a that's a, a more now apropos, yeah. Right. You took the enemy's queen but you got two rooks sitting on opposite ends and both bishops. What are you gonna do now? Yeah. So
2: Yeah. Well in, in on coming on the heels of that, uh what I'd like to do is challenge uh the people on my side as
1: we <laughs> you know have, have defined it. Uh, sniveling to try, liberals. Yes, try, try <laughs> I'm sorry, you have not been sniveling for the last four months. Oh well, very good.
2: <laughs> well, I'd like, I'd like these people, whether you snivel or not, to uh, try, try doing something different other than following the same old bullshit script, right. please.
1: Otherwise, because you know what's going to happen. I mean, if if this little bit of momentum does go unchecked. And the liberal side just keeps plowing forward with their agenda the way they are. There's going to be more little victories just like this, which eventually will lead to a bigger victory. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, I can't take solace from, let's say, this magical end of the road scenario where you got a Republican in the White House and a Republican Senate, and then maybe a you know Congress at odds if Congress is held by the Democrats. Yeah. What we all always want, and I know I speak for you the same way, in this is. Not just a reasonable compromise, but a path forward. Yeah, govern for God's sake. Exactly. Do yeah. what we pay you to do, people. Yeah.
2: And try not to fulfill the... Uh, what, what is the phrase I'm looking for? The the self-fulfilling prophecy. Try, try right. not to create the self-fulfilling prophecy. Try not to follow that same old line. Yep.
1: They're so you concerned know, about their own manifesto that they forget you know, the needs and the wants of the people who they're yeah. supposed to be serving. Yeah,
2: and you cannot... And, We have talked about this so many times. I'm even sick of hearing myself say it. You cannot, in a country as diverse as ours, not compromise while you govern. Right. It comes with the territory. Learn how to do that. That's governing. That's how it works, people. That's how you get shit done.
1: Absolutely. Well played, sir. But you know what? There's Mm. light at the end of the tunnel, and its name is Middle Gem. Nice. Nice. I thought
2: I felt the gem coming on.
1: Yeah. Yes. Because you get to the point where you're just like, oh, my God, (laughs) we just hate the world. (laughs) And then you realize it's only Tuesday. I know.
2: know. (laughs) Well, I, i I really come to believe that's why they created Vodka. You know, I uh, I at really this think point, so. who am I to
1: argue? <laughs> so, for our middle gem, it's your selection. You roam with it, sir.
2: Oh, nice, nice. Well, I'm, 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 as as usual, you know, wanting to rock out a little bit here, <laughs> um, and and I hope the uh, the irony of this particular selection uh, doesn't fail to occur to people. I think our crowd will get it. I think so. They're too. They're pretty smart. Yeah. So here we go, folks. This
1: is Audio Slave doing. Doesn't remind me. Boom! Just like that. All right, enjoy, digest, and we'll be back in a few minutes, gang, to uh, continue with some more things and stuff, 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 stuff.
2: Chris Cornell, I truly do. Yeah, we all do. all do. All of us
1: rockers do. Yeah, and it was an inspired selection.
2: Thank you, thank you. That of course was Audio Slave uh, doing "Doesn't Remind Me" from their uh, their second album, Out of Exile, uh, that came out back in July of two thousand five. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you who don't remember them, uh, Audio Slave was a super group of sorts, uh, consisting of three members of Rage Against the Machine: uh, Tom Morello, Brad Wilk, and Tim Commerford plus Soundgarden vocalist, the late, great Chris Cornell. And uh, that, was a, that was an inspired combination of artists. It truly was. I, yeah. I really enjoyed their very short tenure. They only did three albums, um, but three good albums. It's stuff that I can still go back and listen to yep. uh, frequently, and it doesn't doesn't, doesn't go <laughs> doesn't old. It, it really doesn't. And I think it's, it's Cornell's vocal. Right, I mean that, that that vocal was just iconic, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, like I said, I I, I miss that.
1: You know, yeah. My my lament is with them. I remember sitting in a bar, and uh, my girlfriend at the time was the bartender. Yeah, and she had popped this song into a jukebox by Audio Slave, and okay. to this day, I've never taken the time to sit there and listen to every single song they did, which is yeah. doable because it's only a few albums. Yeah, but this song rocked so hard, I actually turned around and looked at the jukebox like. Yeah, who the, the hell, hell is this? Yeah, right, you know. Yeah.
2: One of those moments.
1: Yeah, but that's that's what they brought to the table. So no, yeah, I hear you. Yeah.
2: So and uh and now, you know, we've we've covered the heavy stuff for the day and uh and <laughs> now now it's time I think to have a little fun. Yes, it's time to get whimsical. Yes, and I, I think this was a truly inspired uh Johnny topic, uh Johnny <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> like they wouldn't guess this already. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, we want to talk about superheroes today, don't yes, we? Yes, because real yes. life sucks.
1: Isn't it, though? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a little escapism, shall we? All right. So more specifically, <laughs> yes. it's, uh, you know, because last episode we talked about Dune, which is right. another remake. And I think before that we actually talked about different superhero movies uh, or the, the burgeoning LGBTQ presence in superheroes. Right,
2: right. Oh, by the way, did you notice uh, Marvel seems to have responded? Yes. Uh, so
1: I hear. Couple of, couple of, A <laughs> couple of shows
2: ago, we were talking about uh, the uh, the newly introduced character, uh, Superboy. They, yes. Is he officially called Superboy? Or well, the they next call Superman? Him
1: Superman, but it's, it's yeah. Superboy. Yeah. Being uh, being by until his bar mitzvah, it's Superboy. <laughs>
2: And, uh, and now it seems that, uh, that Marvel has responded, in, in a manner of speaking.
1: As they have. And, and I'd be interested to hear, though, these characters that you had mentioned, because I haven't seen the movie and I'm not a Marvel guy. Was this pre-existing or was it created to fit the modern
2: narrative? That's a really, really good question. And the impression I get is it was created to fit the narrative. Right. And, uh, and now we have a uh, same-sex couple
1: uh, in a Disney movie, no less. Which is, which is pretty amazing. Right? For the, the studio that thought the black hole was too dark for mainstream <laughs> audiences. Oh, my. The times have changed. Yeah.
2: And, of course, we're talking about the Eternals. Yep. And, uh,
1: and I believe Angelina Jolie is,
2: is, yes, she is. part of that project. Yep. And, uh, and, yeah, I kind of like the way Marvel did that. There was no fanfare. There was no you know, dropping hints into you know, yep, yep. certain media outlets in order to promote you know, the show based on this alone. It just so happens that amongst the, uh, the cast of characters that we do have a same-sex relationship taking right. place. And, and from know. what I've
1: seen, you know, maybe it follows suit with the fact that they're showing true diversity in so much as it's an international cast yep. of, of all different ethnicities yep. featuring characters that have been around since the dawn of time. Yep. Kind of makes sense, just from 30,000 feet. So yeah. yep. again, Marvel, go fuck yourself, but it <laughs> looks like you hit the nail on the head <laughs> once again. <laughs>
3: <sighs>
2: Nice, nice. But uh, just out of curiosity,
1: um, you realize I just I just praised Democrats and Marvel Comics in the same episode? I know I
2: could tell you your complexion oh turned a little, God. little,
1: little green on that one.
2: <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm I'm sure you'll be forgiven eventually. Eventually, eventually. by my people.
1: And maybe it'll be in this segment because the crux of this segment is the top three superhero esque movies that they haven't made yet, but they really need to, and possibly who would star in them. So we're actually pulling these from uh, famous characters or whatnot that have already appeared in print or on TV that have never gotten the full-fledged movie star treatment. Yep. Okay. So really, yes, sorry, this segment is for comic book nerds more (laughs) than anybody else,
2: but here we go. Yes, (laughs) yes. And, uh, and, I, I, I again, I, I think this was an inspired suggestion. I, I had a
1: lot of fun working on this uh, prior, <laughs> prior to the that show. Because there's something just makes sense. Oh, yeah. You know?
2: I, in all honesty, it was difficult to uh, to narrow it down.
1: Yep. Um,
2: but, uh, unfortunately, in some ways, I think it's going to reflect that uh, I'm not quite as in the loop on the, the most recent... Uh, developments with uh, with Marvel in particular, yeah, still more um, so than
1: the average bear, sir. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig out a little one, uh, a little something from the past, and a character that uh, that I think kind of got overlooked. Do it. And was uh, do some uh, do some movie treatment, uh, a character that I enjoyed back in the day. A man called Nova. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, up until doing some research uh, on this, I was kind of wondering what happened to a man called Nova. But uh, as it turns out, he's he's kind of still in the loop. He hasn't he hasn't gone away. Um, reason why I thought, you know, he was gone. Uh, his his debut was back in September of nineteen seventy six, and he only ran for twenty five issues. But uh, but apparently, he last appeared in a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, film mm. in two thousand fourteen. So he's not not. Completely gone. He's not been buried. Right. He's still out there. A seed has been planted. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, and an interesting story. Uh, uh, an intergalactic cop, if you will,
1: uh-huh. from
2: a, from a, a group called uh, Nova Prime, I believe, uh, bestows his powers on an ordinary mortal a guy named Richard Ryder, and Richard, of course, you know, takes up the uh, the mantle, if you will, of you know, with great power comes great responsibility, mm-hmm. and goes out and, and becomes a man called Nova. And I just thought that would be a fantastic movie. That really would. It's got the, uh, the space component mm-hmm. to it. It's got the regular person component that, that Marvel does very, very well. And uh, I think there's, there's a lot of potential there.
1: I mean, the, the cynical DC fan slash right-wing <laughs> Nazi that I am, my knee-jerk reaction would be, well, great job on uh, pretty much duplicating the Green Lantern formula. <laughs> But no, because I'm familiar with The Man Called Nova as well, and I'm like, right. yeah, okay, it's a long-running character. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not?
2: Give it a shot. <laughs> you know, right, right now Marvel is, is in reboot mode. Yep. You know, they've, they've pretty much uh, gone as far as they can go with, you know, characters like the Avengers and whatnot, and now it's time to reimagine the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it would be fantastic if, if Nova was part of that reimagining.
1: I think that would be fun. Gotcha. Good call. Thank you. So what do you got, John? Well, uh, I I was really going to go with um, one group from DC Comics, but I decided at the 11th hour to change it up uh, to a character uh, known as Lobo. Okay. Whose uh, claim to fame is he's an intergalactic bounty hunter slash assassin. Nice. uh, Who's the last of his kind because he wanted to be unique. So he assassinated everyone on his planet. And uh, in the comic books, from his first appearance in an episode of Justice League as a very milk toast, like unemotional kind of villain, yeah. like a throwaway character. Okay, and then they gave him uh, a treatment by an, an artist named Simon Bisley, who did select work for DC in the '90s and and some of the British labels. Yeah, took the character and and launched it into new depths. They added humor and way over the top violence <laughs> that. Right. They've tried now to portray Lobo on screen in episodes of uh, Krypton, as well as a whole bunch of different of the DC Comics animated features, but they never capture the zany, over-the-top, Tarantino-esque violence of, of the character okay, in such books as Lobo's paramilitary Christmas special, where he accepts a contract to assassinate uh, Santa Claus. <laughs> Another what? one where he gets a contract to assassinate God. Oh, wow. I mean, you- <laughs> and And the mayhem and hijinks <laughs> that ensue, of course, turning every single social taboo on its ear. Nice. And yet, just so... Friggin' enjoyable. Somebody needs to take this character, put him in a movie. Maybe Tarantino. I yeah. don't know. I know yeah. it's out of his genre. It seems
2: like it would be appropriate, though.
1: And yet, the only thing that, that satiates his bloodlust is his space dolphins that he takes care of. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else, forget it. will kill anything that looks at him sideways. And does it with a sense of humor, so oh, wow, that would be the first one that comes to mind. For me.
2: Right. You know, if you've got a contract on God, there's no way you can't go from there. Right, and there's uh, literally
1: a splash page where he's fighting God and pulling his beard. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Over to you, sir.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Um, once again, I'm going to uh, go back on a Marvel character because uh, that's that's pretty much what I'm familiar with. That's my wheelhouse when it comes to uh, mm-hmm. this kind of discussion. Um, I would like to see uh, some exploration done with the Ant-Man character uh, in regards to his uh, back and forth uh, with another character that, you know, uh, Hank Pym was, mm-hmm. uh, Giant Man. Gotcha. And how he... Like I see, went back and forth between Ant-Man and Giant-Man back in the day when I read the comics, read read uh, the Avengers and, and whatnot. And uh, apparently, since then, in, in doing the doing the research, you know, somehow he has segued into Colossus, mm-hmm. uh, and somehow the Juggernaut character from the X-Men films is in, is in the mix someplace. And I would love to see them explore some of that. I'd like to see. I mean, the the, the films that. Ant-Man has been in, you know, the Avenger films and whatnot, I think just scratched the surface of his potential. You know, they did, I think, what, two films? uh, Ant-Man and then a sequel to it. I think there's a lot more potential to the character uh, than what has been done so far, right? And again, I think if they they somehow weave the storyline of him going back and forth between Ant Man and Giant Man, mm-hmm. that there's a lot to be mined there. I think they could do some good stuff with that.
1: Well, I think that the the, the crux of the issue is they uh, they had kind of a minefield to walk through with Hank Pym, yeah, because they had introduced the domestic violence storyline right. into his issues, yeah, and you know Marvel didn't want to deny it, so they kind of that's why they supplicated Hank Pym with uh, the Paul Rudd character whose name right. escapes me yeah. to really take the mantle now as Ant-Man which again in the comics I believe happened way after the fact but since all the other Avengers characters were those archetypes yeah. uh, Hank Pym is the only one that kind of sat on the sideline <laughs> and let somebody else assume the role of Ant-Man Right. Um, but again kudos to Marvel because they're not um, although they, they confront every type of, of prejudice issue and and political kind of stuff yeah. head on. Yeah. Those more urbane issues like domestic violence, drug use, they tend to shy away from. Yeah. So good for them to for confronting it, but I'm pretty sure that's the uh the main reason why they kind of Yeah. didn't really dive into that character yeah. headlong.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. They they do tend to touch on a lot of different social ills, but they don't really go deep. Right. And, uh, and, yeah, I think with this character, they have that potential. It would be interesting to see what they could do with it. it mm-hmm. really would.
1: Back over to you, John. All righty. Well, now shit starts heating up. This is where my, <laughs> my passion, if you will, starts to show forth. All right. I'm a big fan of the Martian Manhunter character, and I became that from reading Justice League in the 90s when he was written you know, back into the fold. This is a character that's been around since the early 50s. Yeah yet never got the spotlight. Was never on Super Friends, right. was never on the Lunchboxes, but he's been part of the Justice League since its very first inception. Yeah. So they managed to flesh him out through some really good writing, and in a lot of his, uh, you know, what we call one-shots and limited series, they introduced the character as he became relevant in the 50s in yeah. the Atomic Age in an era of skepticism and suspicion right. and film noir. And basically, he got zapped to Earth accidentally from an astronomer and learned everything he needed to know about America from watching 50s TV. Shows like Dragnet, yeah. watching Edward R. Murrow on the TV, yeah. watching quiz shows. And this is how he fell in love with America and American culture. Right. And it just, it's quaint, but it rings true because it's one of those um, period pieces that just matches up perfectly. Right. Okay. And it's again a character that's still alive and active today, uh equal power levels to Superman, and even though he's an alien, he's a Martian, yeah, he's learned how to be a human, he's got human emotions, a human sense of humor, and it just works. Interesting. You know?
2: Very interesting. Yeah, in my limited limited uh, delving into the DC universe, I do re- remember coming across the Martian Manhunter on more than yeah. one occasion, and he did always strike me as an interesting character that had and potential. And they use
1: him in the modern TV shows, like all the stuff on the CW. Okay, he's in Supergirl. Um, many people theorize that he played the general and the uh, what was that first one? Superman. No, not Superman Returns. uh, The Man of Steel. Ah, yeah. The General, the Chief of Staff, is actually the Martian Manhunter. Interesting. And he did appear in the Justice League movie, but they edited that scene out. He was supposed to appear, Ah. and he was, in fact, masquerading as the General because he's a shapeshifter. Right. Um, But other than that, sadly, and we touched on this many, many episodes ago, his only other appearance on the small screen or any screen was the ill-fated Justice League pilot TV show where he was played by David Odigan Steers, <laughs> formerly Major Winchester on MASH.
2: Charles Emerson Winchester
1: right. III. Yes. Winchesters don't sweat, we perspire. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So that's yeah, that didn't go over well either. Right. Horrible casting. Yeah. So that's my number two. All right.
2: All right. <laughs>
1: um I'm
2: gonna Top my list with a with a character that again goes way way back. Um, I one of the one of the comics I was uh, I was religious about back in the day was the Amazing Spider-Man. Nice. That was probably the first first Marvel character, the first comic book character in, in general that I got into. Uh-huh. And there was a character that uh, that popped up from time to time, a true anti-hero, uh, by the name of Morbius, the Living Vampire. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time I was too young, really, to conceptualize anti-hero, you know, the whole concept of right. an anti-hero. Well, as a
1: tiny liberal, you didn't even have your first tambourine yet. <laughs> <I'm telling you. laughs>
2: but uh, but for some reason, he always stuck with me. Um, you know, very, very tortured, tortured character. He was a, a doctor, Dr. Michael Morbius, in fact, and he became a vampire after a failed experiment to try and cure a blood disease that he had. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, talk about, you know, this awful, horrible twist, you know, in life. And then for for some reason, it, that appealed to me. The I don't know. P-
1: I mean, have diseases been in the news lately? I'm not sure. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> Maybe around the fringes, you <laughs> know, the fringes here, here yeah. and there. Here so and there. I
1: remember hearing something about vaccinations. I there, don't know, something along those lines. <laughs> <You> know, mandates.
2: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know, just the tortured nature of the character, um, the fact that he had to feed on humans, um, really, really did appeal to me. And I've always, always had a had a. Passion for vampires—the whole concept of vampires—something gotcha. I've always enjoyed. And and this guy was—I thought—a very unique um, backstory, a very unique uh, methodology um, to how he became what he is, mm-hmm. and his constant struggle uh, to to cope with it, to deal with it, to to, uh, to fix himself, if mm-hmm. nothing else. You know, and and I think Marvel's had a couple of really really interesting anti-heroes guys like Luke Cage right for example and uh, I oh, think yeah, they've,
1: they've mastered the anti-hero yeah. easily
2: and I think Morbius was a, was a fantastic character a mm-hmm. fantastic
1: inspiration and it's also important to note to our regular listening audience um, and to appeal to the Twilight films fans if there's <laughs> any still out there Michael is a vampire guy I am in fact a werewolf guy there we go Say, never it, the twain shall meet.
2: I was gonna say the na- nature <laughs> of our relationship, the epitome of it, right there, right there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I, and it's funny because and again, getting back into it and getting back into the universe, uh, the Marvel universe. As it turns out, they are working on a film uh, with In Morbius, they are. Yeah. and uh, rumor has it that Jared Leto. Is It'll going still to be play. good. It'll still
1: be good. <laughs> Forget him as the Joker. That was an abomination. It'll still be good. Yeah, yeah. We're <coughs> kind of gonna have to forgive him for that one. Here's a yeah. chance for redemption,
2: you know, which is perfect because Here that's you go, what, Jared. That's what the Morbius, uh, <laughs> Morbius character is all about: is redemption for the things he's been forced to do in becoming a vampire.
1: There you know? go, serendipity.
2: Yeah, you know that's 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 a a storyline that that <laughs> just resonates. It just does. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that if it ever uh, it, if it ever becomes a reality. I right. think that'll be good stuff. So.
1: Indeed. Yeah. Nice. What do
2: you got top on your list, John?
1: Well, top of my list. I mean, shit. I, I, I would even write the script if given a chance. Um, one of my favorite, like, and I'm I'm not even going to go DC on this one. I'm All branching right. out. All right. One of my favorite cartoons as a kid, which I never seemed to get enough of, was Space Ghost. Yes. Loved yes. The, like, the look of the costume and the gadgets and just the whole thing. Yep. Space Ghost kicked ass. Yes, he did. The rogues gallery was horrible, and they had those two like, annoying kids with the chimp and everything. Yeah. little derivative of mm-hmm. Justice League and whatever. Right. Yep. But um, like they often do, they went back and, and retconned uh, Space Ghost for the comic books and told his backstory, which was... Badass, nice. and it was it, it. Mirrors the Lone Ranger mythos. Okay, there was once a bunch of these space cops or space rangers. They got lured into an ambush. They were massacred. Yeah, Space Coast was like the best and brightest of the crew. He barely survives. Okay, he gets you know nursed back to health through these two foundling. Uh, Junior space cadets and their friggin' monkey. I guess <laughs> okay. that's where the monkey came in. Okay, and he's just all about revenge. And, all right, you know the lone gunman now in the universe. And talk about a universal theme, right? You know, right, the revenge. Who can't relate to that? Now the thing is, it's like you know, like I mentioned earlier, we haven't even followed up on like who would play these roles. Some of them have already been precast. Yeah, but for space ghosts, you need somebody like just stoic and completely. Badass dick. Yeah. Maybe, well, he's already done Thor, so I guess Liam Helmsworth is out of it. Right. We see too much of Jason Momoa as it is. Uh, yeah. George Clooney's too old. <laughs> I mean, David Harbour's got horrible politics, so he's out and he killed <laughs> Hellboy. So I don't know. But, you know, there's got to be somebody out there with a steely chin that could pull this off. Right. Right. And not even to make it campy, make it just freaking over the top. This shit's got trilogy and franchise written all over it. Hell yes. Absolutely. I mean, shit, if nothing else, HBO, please pick this up. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But yeah, Yeah, Space
1: Ghost would be badass. All sorts of potential there. No (laughs) doubt about it. No doubt about it. Nice. Space Ghost. (laughs) So that concludes that.
2: Uh, Did you get your third one? Yeah. Yeah. I got Morbius. Yeah, Yeah, I think there's all sorts of potential, you know, in in what we've been talking about here. In in some cases, I mean, you never know. Some of these things may be, you know, top secret projects in the works. Right. Maybe we don't know. Who's to say?
1: You know, other than reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Or overextending, like, the pre-existing properties. I mean, look, all this stuff has already been done. It's already been written. Yeah. I'm sure Hanna-Barbera's uh, hard up for money right now. Call them <laughs> up. Buy the rights of Space <laughs> Ghost. Make this shit happen. Absolutely. I mean, shit. Get on it. It's not that difficult. No. And let's drive that point home with <gasps> the third gem. The third gem. Now, and for I, this one... I,
2: I got to say, this was an inspired call. This is one of those... When you sent me the email, it was like, done... <laughs>
1: And I love that, folks. When I when I send Michael over the initial spec for the episode of that week, and yeah, you know, sometimes it's met favorably, sometimes <laughs> not so much. But when it is met favorably,
2: bottom line, we bash the shit out of each right. other's gem calls. And Absolutely. because
1: because this this I was going to use a curse word, but because this <laughs> partner of mine only responds to emails at two thirty three a.m., mm. I actually wake up during one of my midnight pee breaks to check my email to see, oh, let's see what he thinks. What's it going to be? And I, I talked to B as she's snoring next to me. What, is he going to be up for it? What do you think? And when he does give me a solid thumbs up, like sight unseen, I'm like, awesome. It's going to be a good week. Yeah. And in this case, this was the case. So that being said, I will throw out a disclaimer. This is an earworm the likes of which. Oh, man.
2: Oh, this just stays with you. Just I can't stop singing it
1: today now. <laughs> oof. Yep, yep, it's, it is a good song. Alright, so that being said, let's bestow this on our audience. We're going to go with the kinks doing a little song called, well, Superman in parentheses, wish I could fly like Superman. Indeed. Alright, so enjoy this, folks. Sorry it's going to be implanted in your head. And we'll be back in a couple minutes to wrap some stuff. <laughs>
3: This morning started to sneeze, had a cigarette
1: And the kinks. Ugh.
2: Yeah, that'll stay with you. That'll I mean, it's, I, you.
1: I, I can't get out of I, and it. And it almost matches my usual heartbeat, yeah. which means I need to probably have that looked at. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just, it's oh my God, it's in my freaking head. I can't get rid of it yeah. now.
2: I think Ray Davies was one of the most uh, underappreciated songwriters yeah. that came out of the whole British
1: incursion I mean, because uh, granted, situation, you know, the, the kinks. I'm a big fan, yeah. they're amazing as the day is long.
2: Oh, yeah, and the longevity, you right? Know, we're talking about a band that had hits in the 60s, the 70s,
1: and the 80s. Yep. And um, in this case, they, like many of their peers, and someday we'll do this topic justice, went from the rock genre into disco because yeah. that's what was <laughs> selling <laughs> plastic at yeah, the yes time. They did. And they did it, s- may arguably, they do it better than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, Rod Stewart had Do You Think I'm Sexy. KISS had uh, I Was Made For Loving You. Yeah. The Rolling Stones had Emotional Rescue. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, Superman by the Kinks is, is probably the best one. Oh, yeah. Well, there. Y-
2: there was a consistency in all those errors to the tone of the songs that Ray Davies wrote. Yep. You know, that kind of cynical, you know, not quite snarky, but, <laughs> you know, flirting with it. A little it. bit snarky. A yeah, little bit, maybe a sure. little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that just shows what, like I said, like a, what a phenomenal songwriter he is. Right and uh i read his book too and it's a it's a great great uh look inside yep. uh of the industry and and his life he's a very interesting guy yeah. you know very very intelligent
1: guy and my my favorite kink's uh snippet if you will was when they went uh at odds with uh dick clark's oh yes uh, yes Second-in-command, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. And pretty much addressed them, like, you all think you're the fucking Beatles now. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> and they were like, what? So that's why they never even had oh, more yeah. fame in the States. Yeah. That one little interaction. Yeah, it you cost know.
2: them, what, five, seven years that they couldn't yep. tour the States because of that? Yeah. But, uh, but they still came back strong.
1: Uh, and uh, and Dick yeah, Clark is like the the kingpin from Marvel oh, Comics. Oh, I know, I know. He's the, <laughs> his he's reign was
2: cruel. Yeah, he's the, he was the <laughs> Don. You, know?
1: you know, exactly. Fuck with the Don. Don't get on his bad side. Whatever you do, <laughs> Jesus. You know? To quote the Joker from the '89 movie, "I'm glad you're dead, Ratelli. <laughs> 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 I'm glad you're dead." <laughs> so that oh, being said, man.
2: Uh, good stuff
1: yeah and of course that was you know for the uh, music uh, files out there uh, off of their 1979 album low budget yep. also another amazing King's song yep yep oh yeah, I love this stuff, business good stuff love it love it love inspired
2: it. call inspired yep. call it uh, worked yeah. yeah when that came across in the email it was
1: like slam dunk yeah done I was so lucky last week. Let's see if we keep that up. Good stuff. So, so in yeah. other news, so yeah,
2: what's going on in Big Boom Radio this week, uh, Johnny?
1: Just a couple friendly reminders to folks, especially fans of this radio station. All right, because some of you might be asking yourselves, selves, uh, how does one actively listen every week to the Riffs and Rants podcast? It's a good question. Right now, of course, which. I'm going to say this to the people that are listening. This one particular way, <laughs> <laughs> we air it every Friday on BigBoomRadio.com at 8 a.m., 5 p.m., and 10 p.m. Oh, just okay. to fit your busy schedule. There we go. So that's probably how most people listen to it. However, uh, what's the phrase these now? Wherever your fine podcasts are sold, <laughs> we're everywhere, kids. Let's just take the guesswork out of it. We're on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn iHeartRadio, Amazon, Pandora, Spreaker, Stitcher, damn you name it, Podbean, <laughs> every place. And really, if you find a, 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 a distribution channel that we're not on, they probably suck. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Unequivocal. They probably suck. Yeah. So, and of course, Google Podcast, which is by far mm-hmm. the most familiar and convenient in my book. Sorry to. Give a free plug to Google, but it is what it is. (laughs) Like they They've got their shit together. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And then the other thing is, you know, uh, we haven't highlighted this show in a while. Our our Tuesday night show, every Tuesday at 8 p.m., The British Incursion. Speaking of. Right. Yeah. Named such because every classic rock station in the country does a segment on the British invasion. Mm -hmm. I got tired of hearing that 10 years ago. Yeah. So I said to myself again, self, if I ever had a similar show... I would be like McDowell's from Coming to America. <laughs> mm-hmm. i just change a little bit. So we're known as the British Incursion. That's right. Yes. Hosted by our good friend Sir Nigel Pennyworth.
2: The one and only.
1: Oh, such a storied, colorful character. Yes, he is your host with the most every Tuesday at 8 for the British Incursion, focusing on our f- good friends in music from across the pond. Just from Great Britain. Yeah. Rarely Ireland, rarely Australia, Mm. really pretty much just Great Britain. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, you would think, well, yeah, that's kind of a niche. Oh, no. Especially when it comes to classic rock. Yeah. Because so many, like, look at the Kings, for example. There we go. So many of your best classic rock bands, Led Zeppelin, what, come from (laughs) Great Britain, (laughs) and people just don't realize it. And they outdo, they out Americanize us with the lyrics. Yeah. And we like, imported these concepts, but nobody wants to seem to address that. So whatever, that's why we have the British incursion. And an incursion it was. Yes, it was. And it's still ongoing, too. Indeed. I mean, Oasis aside, <laughs> <we're> bigger <laughs> than a beat. Oh, no, you're not. No, no three albums done no. or whatever they had. But <laughs> Noel Gallagher
2: is probably the single funniest human being on the face of the earth. Is that, that the one
1: I want to knock out, or is that his brother? No, no, that's his brother. Liam. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah.
2: no, <laughs> Noel's the cool one. <laughs> Noel's actually the one with talent.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. all right. Yeah, duly noted.
2: But uh, yeah, good stuff. Good yeah. stuff.
1: So that's our our snippet from our corner of the galaxy. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. I know. Michael, I had some fun. That was a good
2: time. I enjoyed that. Right. Let's, uh, let's
1: do it again next week, shall we? Let's do it again next week. So right. until then, of course, as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.